Stefan Butzko and I'm joined by Konstantin Neckner for another episode of The Fußball Nation. Hello, Konstantin. How are you? Hello, Stefan. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing quite well myself. And uh, this episode, as you already read, is uh, called Endurance, Education, Evolution. And we will talk about, I guess, fitness and recovery and all those thoughts of things, uh, which are, you know, all key components in the modern game of football or always have been in, in sport. Um, Konstantin, how do you keep yourself fit? Um dieting quite correctly and i guess uh, a little bit sports here and there so <laughs> that's about it i guess for 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 us normal human beings um <laughs> i think uh a pretty good diet and um you know i don't know three times uh, a week doing some sports or so that's i guess that 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 alone keeps you uh, quite fit um I mean, of course, there are also people who are really obsessed with uh, exercising. All right. I mean, you can do that. Um, I've once I read an article that, that basically said that um, there are only in your life, you only got uh, so many summers, let's say 20 summers in your life where you have to look good. So basically, <laughs> between the age of, I know, 16 and 36, you know, afterwards, you can just um, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> no, i actually like the I like the attitude uh, behind that it's, it's basically it basically says yeah i mean exercising is is, is of, of course something you should do uh especially if, it, <laughs> if it's about aesthetics but um yeah it's not you don't have to do uh, f uh exercising five times a week when you are 65 <laughs> shout out to all 65 year olds that are listening Uh, to our 20 own. summers of work, the life of Konstantin Egner. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And afterwards, just your effort and um, just... Get, get, After that, you you just completely slack off. Get, getting wasted with... Um, just sweatpants all the time, yep, yep, greasy yep. food, no sport. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> But you got to make sure that you're already married by then, right? Otherwise, you still got uh, more work to do during the summertime. If that's the purpose of life, then uh, yeah, that's I, I I don't know I don't know. That's, But we were talking about that's that's another another uh, deep uh, kind. Yeah, kind we of digress already. Yeah, yeah, we we go, haven't even started. If we have to go uh, deep down that uh, road, um, yeah, I think there will be a long show here. <laughs> All right. Speaking of aesthetics and uh, <laughs> sorts like that, I guess we can talk about the first talking point on our list, and that's increasing demand. <laughs> See what I did there? And um, well, if we talk about increasing demands, I always think back to Jürgen Klopp working as a TV pundit, I think, or maybe maybe it was a different quote at a press conference. Uh, I can't really remember in what context he said it or in what setting, but um, he was talking about the Euros in 2012 and uh, it was Spain who completely shellacked Italy, I think 4-0 in the final, right? And um, he basically made the point that Spain had only, the, the the players only had energy left for like one great game, which they played in the final. And uh, yeah, other than that, throughout the years, they more or less dragged themselves 
through the games, a lot of 1-0 wins, not much of swagger or, or flow. It was very, very patchy and he was basically making the point that the, the schedule is just too cramped and that, uh, yeah, players right now do not have the uh, time to fully recover and, uh, sorts like that. I mean, especially when you play for Barcelona or Real Madrid, in the instance, you usually play Champions League maybe until the final and uh yeah you have the league cup which is two legs per round i guess and of course a very uh exhausting domestic campaign and on top of that all the international friendlies and whatnot so yeah within the year as a player you could end up playing like 40 to 50 games constantine do you have any data by by any chance? <laughs> we I, I know we haven't talked about this pre previously to the pod, but do you have like any statistics on how much of a yeah how how the demand rose over time? How many more games players are playing now opposed to like twenty years ago? Not actually data, um, and not not like accurate numbers or something. But, but I mean, but it's, you, it's, you it's, have it's, an estimate, I guess. It's it's, I it's guess. quite yeah. I, I think I think I mean the estimation is is that about, uh, I mean I think twenty five percent or so, an increase of twenty five percent. I guess is something that might be accurate. Um, it's it's it, it comes down more to the fact that um, especially top tier players, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, from Spain or even Germany, England. That those players um, have to, you know, have to have more playing time over the course of a season. Um, while maybe in the past ten years or so, the, the the pace itself and the intensity of the game hasn't really increased that much. Um, I think there was more of a jump um, before two thousand eight, two thousand six or so. Um, you know, when you compare, um, 1992 with, uh, 2006, and then you could see clearly jump, uh, in intensity, um, and, and like overall speed, um, and the distances covered by the entire team, by, uh, you know, by all outfield players. So, um, but in the past 10 years or so, I don't think the, the, uh, demands, like in one particular match, haven't increased uh, to to a degree where we have to uh, debate that, but of course, um, I mean there are more and more matches, and, and there are coaches, and there are a lot of coaches, especially at the uh, top tier level, who just want to have their uh, star players ready at all times. Um, I mean, rotation is something some coaches do, but uh, in most cases, um, the Cristiano Ronaldo's and um, the Mesut Özil's and so on, they have to play 50 matches per season at least. Uh, usually they don't have a summer break. I mean, they maybe play even the Confed Cup, uh, maybe some new kind of, you know, UEFA Nations League or something. And who, who knows what, what the um, associations come up with in the next uh, few years. So overall, I mean, the, the, the window of recovery... It's getting smaller and smaller, and especially uh, if you don't have a summer break, um, it can be challenging and tricky um, because normally you you get a lot of freshness back um, during the summer break. Uh, most of the let's say 
highly professional players they um who take their job seriously i mean they do some training but normally they can recover and uh, during the summer but that's not even possible most leagues don't have any winter break um you know the bundesliga has about uh, i mean this season there were um three weeks normally four weeks of of winter break um three weeks be a shorter winter break because the, of the world cup um but, but yeah overall i mean the just uh the demand is is just increasing and um i think that's that's something i mean there are different solutions and we should talk about what the solutions can be um but right now i think there's like the the top tier players in football are uh, you know approaching a breaking point uh, breaking point basically you know we we've heard this issue being addressed by UEFA every now and then not not like it's on the top of their list but i haven't seen a single thing to counteract the development that we have more and more games um i mean i doubt that we will shorten the the leagues by just cutting three or four or six teams out or so <laughs> that would be one approach um and yeah maybe have less international friendlies but then again the national team coaches will say well i need time to train uh maybe we could reduce the extremely long uh world cup qualifiers i don't think germany for example need to play 10 games to qualify for the world cup i think that's nonsense um but yeah what do you do i mean you you got to think of of something do you have any solution at hand to to cut down the demands and 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 lessen the schedule i guess i mean like from a personal standpoint a point i i don't think um like there, there should be some official rule um to or some kind of regulation um where you have to restrict players from playing at one point i mean you could do that you can uh, right. I mean, tracking data is getting more and more accurate. So you could say, like, after uh, player X, X, Y, and Z, after these players have um, covered a distance of so and so uh, miles, kilometers, um, they have to take a break. You know, just like your your truck driver has to take a break after he uh, drove his truck for I don't know how many hours. Um, otherwise, if he doesn't uh, and he gets caught by the police, then I mean, he gets in trouble. And you could do something like that with, with uh, football players, of course. And then um, the the man management uh, has to be um, has to be done uh, more smartly um, than it is <laughs> done right now. Um, but I think it's it's that 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 might be a solution, sure. But uh, I think I it's, it's more in the best interest. Yeah, it's more in the best interest. Um, for every club, um, if you pay player X um a high amount of money, um, maybe in the in the double digits of millions, um, then you you should take care that player X isn't injured or shouldn't be injured long uh, for a longer time. Um, I also what, don't what, like blanket rules, to be honest, what, because yeah. players are so different in in their fitness and their physicality. Uh, overall, that some players can easily play you know 10 games in in like every three days or so without a problem and others struggle so you can't just say okay here's the limit and that counts for everyone because that would be unfair to other players who could 
easily do do more without much harm sure um absolutely but uh, another point that might be concerning not actually for the clubs but uh in, to the players is is that um you, you you more and more see players who let's say burn faster than in the past which means that um they might be reaching their peak when they are 25 26 but they will basically if like their body will shut down when they are in their early 30s um as a po or like as a contrast to um what we saw in the past where you could easily play until you're 35 36 some players will still do that i mean some will maybe retire at 40 uh, but, but Iron Robin turned 34 today, so <laughs> and he's still at it. Yeah, he, and he's the outlier and, because and he he, he, he magically injured. always looked like 34, <laughs> even when it was 20. Yeah, basically. But also he has been injured uh, several times, groin injuries, uh, muscle injuries. So, I mean, sure, there are, there will be outliers, but there will also be uh, cases where players. Uh, basically, they're, they're, they they break when they are t 32 or so. That doesn't mean they they can't continue playing. I mean, they can you know move to China, uh, make some make some money in the US, uh, where the demands and uh, the overall intensity of of the game is not as high, and you know it can still um, hold their own. Just because I mean that they are like technically and and technically <laughs> they are just uh, good enough to do that. Yeah, I, th I think the best Sch example for that. Yeah, yeah, Schweinsteiger, for example. But I think also a very good example is Nuri Shine. He is still holding the record for youngest debutant in the Bundesliga with uh, the age of sixteen. He is twenty nine now, but if you see him play football, I mean, of course he had a couple of injuries as well, but. Uh, you know, nothing too crazy, I say. Uh, however, if you watch him football, he's incredibly slow. I mean, he was never famous for being, uh, the, the, the paciest player, but you can see how quickly he, he tails off within the game after 60 minutes or so, even after a full summer preparation and everything. You can, can just see that Nuri Shine does not have the physicality anymore to really compete on the same level as he did, let's say, five or six years ago. You know, it's just a big difference and he's only 29. Uh, which, you know, in, in theory, he should be at his very best right now, but uh, you can clearly see that he is not. And, uh, I, I guess that's a trend we will see with other, pl other players as well that started out so early their professional careers. Yeah. That, that's another, um, factor that, that, uh, or another, another, um, aspect that factors in, uh, to, into this, uh, this entire thing. I mean, it's just, in this day and age, there are a lot of players who uh, will play or will turn professional um, at 16, 17, 18, while in the, you know, a few decades ago, it was more like you were 20, 21, um, often enough when you, you moved up and played uh, first division football. So, I mean, that's also something, um, especially considering that the, the, um, the intensity at the highest levels, of course, higher than maybe in, in, youth, in youth leagues and maybe in res uh, reserve teams leagues. So, well, yes and no. I mean, no. <laughs> I, I mean, of course, the intensity is higher, but I think something we mustn't forget youth players nowadays that are like in the youth setups at the age of 13, 14, 15. They at least have a different strain, uh, mental strain, for example. I, I don't know how, how much that makes 
you know how, how much of a long-term effect that has but you know at least i wanted to mention like they the, the clubs usually make sure that they are very good at in, in the school and if your your grades like take a dive you usually don't play so you know a lot of a lot of players in there when they're 15 or so they they sometimes still live with their parents so they commute every day and then they have to make sure they uh, you know do all their homework do the school stuff which on a kid i guess is already demanding by itself and then they usually have to pl play football like train five times a week and then play on the weekends or something like that so you know even if you if you're a youngster growing up and when you're like 14 15 or well, i don't know maybe it already starts with 12 that the the, the strain on you is is very high and i would assume that you know if if you have such a pensum as we say in germany that uh, you know it will take a toll on you one way or another and if you then move into a more professional career of course you will have less homework to do <laughs> but but still i i think you know there will there will be long-term ramifications in in some way or form uh of course i don't have the data to back that up right now but um Certainly, uh, you know, the whole professionalism in quotation marks starts at a very early age before we usually can even see it. <laughs> I mean, that, that would, I'm, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the biggest factor, but, uh, I just wanted to bring it in there. So yeah, let's talk maybe a little bit about the pace of the game. Um, <laughs> As you said, it didn't make too many jumps in the last five years or so. But uh, if we look back to the 90s, 80s, 70s or so, um, I, I guess it has changed tremendously. Um, how would you describe the uh, change of pace within the game nowadays? Is it just constant running? Are, uh, are players running faster all of a sudden? Or is it the ball that, that has more of a flow? Is it the collective running if you talk about pace of the game, what are the aspects that you would uh, mention? I mean, running was oh, has always been involved in football. Yeah, kind of surprising, <laughs> I know. Um, I, I think there were uh, several changes over the, let's say, in, in po post World War football. Yeah. Um, in in the in the sixties, um, fifties and sixties, um, there is more. Uh, Standing around, you know, not wanting that much, uh, often enough, um, especially like when you're, when you're a defender, um, you, you, you set deep and, you know, you weren't involved in any, um, attacking, um, movement and attacking actions, um, which of course kind of, you know, pro provided that, uh, you were, are afresh when you had to defend. Um, especially, I mean, in, in, in systems where there wasn't any, um, you know, any kind of strategy to use the offside rule, uh, for instance. Um, so there, there were certainly, f uh, aspects where, where you can, when you rewatch matches, um, uh, where you can see that, that a lot of players were not running as, as much as they do today, or as they, even, and that's the next jump, I think, um, the next transition into, you know, um, Football total and and um, collective movement in the seventies and eighties, where you can see that the the amount of of uh, running um, certainly uh, increased, um, and uh, more players, basically all the players, uh, were running more um, than 
they never transition into let's say late nineties, two uh, thousands is when um, the, the overall pace or the average pace uh, increased, um, and if in in some players, especially fullbacks, center backs, and center forwards, so the players um, on the edges um, had, had to run more because a lot of players wanted to keep compactness. Um, and wanted to to keep their 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 team tighter and and, and more narrow. Um, so yeah, that that's another uh, transition, I guess. Um, and over the course of five, six, seven decades, uh, we've clearly seen that um, the the pace has increased, the intensity with which uh, players go into one on one situations. Uh, with with how they uh, play press, how how they apply pressing, um, th- things like that. Of course, the intensity has increased, and uh, the collective movement has become more um, visible and and has become a, a more important factor um, that that wasn't really th- there in the fifties and sixties. There were always uh, there have always been outliers, of course, uh, but. It's speaking in general, there there were certainly some some trends, and um, over the course of of the past decades, um, there has, has been an evolvement, which is of course which led to a more demanding style of football. Even when you're when when you play for a team that maybe is rather conservative, um, you know, sitting deep, not applying a high press, even then. Um, the intensity and and what uh, is is demanded for, from every every player on the field is is is, is higher than maybe ten years ago or fifteen years ago, but we will come to that a little bit later. That there's uh, there are certainly uh, differences between styles, and that uh, some styles um, require more um, stamina and. Um, Let's fitness overall, but also uh, the kind of interval um, fitness that means like a quick recovery uh, within a few minutes uh, because you have more um, singular intense actions uh, within a, a, um, a shorter time frame. Yeah, maybe we, we can talk about this already. Um, I, I mean, recovery in, in itself is, is, I guess, a very big factor. And when we talk about the... Uh, the evolution of pace of, of the game, we obviously have to talk about sports science and uh, how players, you know, have adjusted their training, have become more athletic overall, so they can just run faster and more often. But, uh, you know, this is actually really interesting. I mean, recuperation in itself is such a big factor that I guess we can spend at least 10 to 15 minutes to talk about it. But, um, if you watch footballers play, of course, there is usually constant running, but I mean, it's, it's not completely constantly. So, you know, players do take breaks every now and then where they just stand around and, and watch what is going on before they then, you know, all of a sudden shift into a, a sprint. So as you talked about these intervals, do you know what has changed? What what players do now that they recover faster when they do not run? How the muscles, I guess, take on more oxygen, or or how is that working? I mean, the the, the let's say the distance that is covered, um, the the average distance, doesn't say much 
about um, the style and and the required uh, fitness uh, because it it doesn't really make a difference for um, for player X Y and Z um, how if if they uh, cover one mile per match or maybe one mile but a few you know a few meters a few yards more per match that doesn't really make a difference. Um, what what is far more important is the amount of intense actions, like sprints, um, tackles, um, you know, short busts of running, um, you know, jumping. This these kind of things are far more important, especially they define uh, they they much more define your style. And they define how you um, have to prepare your players as a coach. How you prepare have to prepare your players uh, for competition. Um, and when we speak about recovery, there are two forms of recovery. I mean, there's there's the let's say in-game recovery, which means uh, if you have let's, yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Let's right say, now. Yeah, yeah, let's say yeah, yeah, you x amount of sprints um, during ninety minutes. Um, then I mean, it's it's important that you're that the player. Uh, X recovers very quickly after one sprint, um, which is uh, even even more difficult to achieve than uh, player X recovering um, after or between matches. I mean, which is also something uh, some some coaches haven't taken that seriously uh, in in the past. And I mean, there there are changes right now. But um, yeah, I mean, preparing your your player uh, to recover and and to be ready. Um, the next minute uh, to to do the next sprint. I mean, that's that's of course uh, highly important, and uh, I mean that comes down to really uh, sports science and and how good your 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 um, staff basically works and um, how good you can prepare players. Um, um, I mean, and, and there are certain kind of like basic rules, um, but uh, it it's what what makes it more difficult when it comes down to training. Um, it's, it's not like that you uh, follow basic rules of sports science, um, how to build up stamina and 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 all kind all these kinds of things. But uh, it, it comes down how you can combine um, typical, f- you know, running, fitness training, um, athletic training. Uh, how you can combine it with your you know tactical uh, training with uh, everything else you have to do. I mean, especially when you have a tight schedule. Um, then, then it comes it becomes far more complicated. And how how do you uh, manage uh, nagging injuries? You know, not not these kinds of injuries that put you out, uh, but that are nagging that maybe requires some kind of treatment. But you know, stuff like that. That's 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 far more important. And uh, when, when do you um, let them take days off? And uh, how could you do tactical training without even much running? Or should you do tactical training with running? You know, and, and that that comes down. To to um, the, the basically the abilities, the capabilities of the, of, the, of the staff, and and uh, how how the coaches, oh, how the, the head coaches, open to um, maybe what what the athletic coaches say, because that, that's something we can basically observe in the, in the Bundesliga, for instance. I mean, there there are a certain amount of, of head coaches uh, think they they know it all and they, they can basically do it on their own um they're all internationally is the same there there are some famous examples where you we want to uh, name any head coaches but there are some you know who just think they, they know it all um and then there are some who are really open to new approaches who are really open to uh, and, and follow the opinions of their athletic coaches um problem is that uh right now that uh, the, the most of the athletic coaches um 
they they you know have a degree in sports science, but there isn't there isn't really a degree in let's say football athletics. That's that's not 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 a thing that that that, that doesn't exist right now. It will maybe exist in in the future, but right now it doesn't. Um, so it's basically you know you you, you take uh, basic rules, basic formulas from from, from uh, general sports science, but football is a specific sport, a specific discipline, just like any other sport. And and we have learned in the past fifteen years or so that um, any any discipline requires specific. Um, preparation and there's yeah, no- I was trying just going to ask yeah. because that's that's you know that should raise a flag. Usually, I would assume that every sort of sport has its own sort of sports science and, and discipline, as as you, as you just said that uh, you know it has its own training methods. But you know, in football, it feels like you know people just have to adapt what's out there to football. But you know, it's it's such such a big game. It's I guess the biggest game in the world, and yet there's not a clear, I guess, method or whatever you want to call it. Um, do you think that's that's a weird thing? Do you think that's, uh, you know, down to football or soccer or whatever you want to call it being a little bit more or uh, being less professional than other sports in, in that regard? Or is, or is that nonsense because, you know... It, Somehow it has to be professional. I I would be careful um, in in that regard. I mean, of course, I don't know every league, every um, country, and and how the how the football system, how the football coaching works there. I mean, that's it would be a little bit too much to 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 cover. Uh, but in Germany, let's let's just talk about Germany for for once. Um, in I, I think we covered it in the, in the, in the previous episode about the uh, development involvement of German football. So in, in 2004, Jürgen Klinsmann, who had been living in the United States for some time, he came in and became the head of the national team, basically head coach. I mean, he wasn't, I mean, he was the, some, his title was something else, but he was basically the head coach. So he was responsible for everything involved, uh, football and re- regarding the national team. So what he did was uh, bringing in some guys from uh, Mark Terste, uh, Mark Verstegen, uh, guys from the United States, uh, from from one of one institute in Arizona, I think. So and and these guys, they they had a, of course, they didn't really have a soccer background. They had just an in, in, uh, um, athletic coaching background, basically. They, they did some some stuff in, in American football and in other sports. So what, what their kind of approach was, uh, was, was basically to say, all right, um, we see the level of athleticism here in Germany is not, uh, it should be higher, you know. I mean, it was just the overall statement. All right, what what they did was um, they said, okay, we make your your players, Klinsmann, we make your players stronger. We do basic strength and conditioning training. You know, training you you could also do in American football, basketball, whatever. You know, you name it. It 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 wasn't football specific. What what they said was, we make your players fit they are you know they are ready to go and then you take them and uh, teach them everything they have to know about football so weird that was basically what they said I mean and, and it, it helped at, at first because uh, before 2004 2005 2006 um, the, the athletic training in, in, in German football and I think in European football in general but you know I, I know it specifically uh, what, what happened in, in German football because I talked to a lot of uh, people that that were there and and you know that that have been involved in the in the past uh, 10 or 15 years and um, 
I mean, it helped uh, to raise awareness of, you know, um, basic strength and conditioning coaching, but especially core training and, and stuff like that. that. That's that's great when you, you know, when you're, you're a um, um, typical, let's say, average uh, guy who goes to the gym <laughs> or, or if you do some high school football or something. I mean, that's great. All right. Uh, uh, core core training, strength and um, basic strength and conditioning can help you, of course. I mean, when, when, it, when it's not that specific, but it, it is isn't like you are playing at the highest level but of course uh the players in, in the german national players and bundesliga players i mean they play at the highest level um so there had to be a next step and the next step was that's uh, across europe and i think across the world is um that you took some of these methods but you basically um put them into the box of uh football training of of of, of tactical training of um, you know, uh, passing exercises, shooting exercises, and all all these kinds of stuff. You know, you know, uh, five against three, and and all, all the all these kinds of exercises. You know, um, and because because the the uh, thinking behind it, the understanding was, um, you can't just do running and and specific exercising, and then you f- think uh, they are fit. They they are fit as as athletes, but they aren't fit as footballers because football requires a specific uh type of movement you know they are they are repetitive movements also uh, football is uh, as opposed to american football for instance a um, more free flow flowing uh, kind of kind of sport um you know there are so many different uh, movements and different um you know turns and uh, change of directions uh, different kind of jumping and but um they they are less repetitive um, actions going on on the on the pitch, but still, um, that's that's something we can also discuss. Um, that also requires specific um, brain exercises, um, neurological exercises. But um, the, the the and that's and and the 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 concept was that you know you you need football specific fitness training. And interestingly enough, I mean, in in the mid two thousands, in the mid to late two thousands, uh, when Pep Guardiola was uh, coach at Barcelona, or became a coach at, at the f- uh, first team of Barcelona, um, his kind of training was was widely covered by media by the media. But uh, but I thought we would talk about doping in the next episode. All right. <laughs> Ooh. Um, Shots fired. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah. So what he. Um, so his training was, was widely covered by the media. Um, why? Uh, it was because, in, especially in summer prepar- in summer preparation, um, you know, when you, ha- when you have the summer training camp and, uh, people can visit and, and, and watch the training, you saw them, um, doing all kinds of things, but always, always the ball was involved. And there was not like just running, you know, just, just doing some ones, just do, uh, uh, eight mile run or something that was never the case they always played football you know and and, and built up uh f- fitness especially football specific fitness and stamina by playing by 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 reproducing what happens on the on the field 
Um, sure, you need some kind of basic stamina. Every player needs that. Yeah, you know, if you if you're just uh, just out of shape and uh, your your body fat is uh, above, I don't know, fifteen or twelve or so percent, then of course, I mean that can't work out. But let's say all these all these players, these professional players in the first leagues, they have they have a, a baseline of 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 stamina and, and and conditioning. So, but but to build up football specific conditioning, uh, the the ball should be involved in the in the and the movements should be. Reproduced in training, so that was that was what Barcelona did, what the Italians did as well, and what they still do uh, to this day. Um, and in, in Germany, like the the transition from like what Verstegen did and others uh, to what Barcelona uh, did back then and, and still does. I mean, there was there was a transition going on, and uh, there was across Europe. I think there was an understanding that you need football specific. Uh, coaching and training and um, just you know running uh, won't w- won't help you to be pre- to be fully prepared for a football match um, you yeah, know and, and that's uh, I don't remember what was the question actually <laughs> I think initially the question at some point was um, how players recover within um, <laughs> no I think that was there was a different question but <laughs> I think you made a couple of, of good points and I think we, we have to highlight that again, that it's very important. And I think, I don't know if that's the uh, latest recognition <laughs> in, in sports science or, or how long that has been around, but that different athlete, athletes need different exercises concerning what they do. And a footballer needs to play football. Otherwise, uh, you know, whatever you do, your muscles will, uh, yeah, not regenerate quickly enough or just build in a different way. Um, I mean, we have always in, in sport also the discussion of training the wrong way. You know, you can, you can build up muscles in sport that you don't actually need. You know, it happens a lot, I guess. And, um, oh yeah, that's, that's just one point. That's, that's interesting. Um, I think it, it uh, concerns cyclists. Um, I've, I've read that once, uh, about that, that a lot of cyclists, uh, are afraid of, of, uh, doing runs, you know, not, not on the bike, but do, doing simple runs because it, it could destroy your, uh, quote unquote, cycling muscles. I don't know if it's true. I'm, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of into cycling a lot, but, um, um, I don't know that much about, uh, cycling training, especially in the uh, specific, uh, kind of, kind of fields, but, um, I think that that's something, you know, in other sports, it's, it's, it's the same. Um, some, some fear that, uh, especially in, in sports where it's all about fitness, basically. It's all about stamina, especially in cycling. Um, where, where there's even more concern about, you know, doing the wrong training, uh, investing a lot of time and doing the wrong training and then wasting basically your time and your effort and being not prepared. I mean, in football, even if you, if you do, um, non-specific training you, you are still somewhat prepared because it's all it's also about other things you know technical te- tactical um aspects of course sorry Aaron, yeah I didn't want to no no, no 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 i i think that's that's very important and um, I, I guess the the big trick nowadays and i guess this is where what we just talked about and our first aspect is you know the increasing demands and, you know, the tight schedule basically force you to think of training methods that will, you know, work on the player's stamina, keep them fit or whatever, and actually do tactical training at the same time or whatever, because you just do not have time 
to have um basically uh yeah a training session where you just work on your fitness and then on the football that's just not it's just not, never going to work and uh, you know it's it's also interesting a couple of i don't know let's say six seven years ago it was still very typical to have your athletic trainers separately from the coaching staff basically they were just in charge of of building the player cinema and then handing them off to the coach i think you already talked about that uh in the Jürgen Klinsmann aspect but um i i still find that very mind-boggling why it took so many years in german football you know to basically change the job of the athletic coach as well that they now basically think of concepts together with the coach rather than the athletic coach thinks of his own exercises and the coach thinks of his exercises that this basically is now a con you know a, a conjuncture if you want full stop <laughs> but um i i guess we can talk a little bit more about that um i've read that jürgen klopp has his own individualized training methods i guess um to really yeah that that suits his high octane pressing style i guess that's very different from when you have just ball possession style or you know if you're lucien favre and you have more passive four for two maybe and then the focus on counter attacking if you need your players to press very far up the field i guess you need to have tactical um i guess exercises that uh, also build stamina now the 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 thing is, especially with pressing and, and, and counter-pressing, it is so important in football that you get it 100% right because as soon as there's one player just half a meter off and, uh, you know, some color sh shadow isn't where it's supposed to be or whatever, you, the, the pressure points are wrong, then your entire concept fails. So, you know, if you if you play that sort of football, you have to strive for perfection even more so than in, in other uh yeah setups i guess even though that's always a bit cynical to say but i think there's some truth to that because it's more vulnerable vulnerable if if you don't execute it perfectly but in order to execute it perfectly you of course have to really pick your battles and how to train because uh if you want to basically or essentially train counter pressing uh this is something that will demand a lot of the player in the training session the problem is however if you play every three days Where do you pick the time? When do you have the time to actually train something like that? You know, it's essentially some, sometimes you could make the argument that you can only really work on, on the counter pressing like intensely in the, in the summer preparation and then not at all. So, um, Constantine, do you know anything more about what Klopp is doing on the training ground to basically, uh, yeah, improve his style? Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 I think, I think there are two kind of, uh, or two, two interesting points regarding club. The first is that he's one that prefers, um, basically, um, quote unquote, destroying his players, uh, during summer camp, uh, which, which means that, uh, usually four weeks of like intense, really, really intense, um, training, you know, beyond, basically beyond what his players can do. Um, 
That and that's that's kind of his strategy, you know. I mean, he he wants to prepare, he wants to make them basically fit, ready, and and tough um, to go through the season. Um, and and he wants to uh, make most of the preparation or achieve most of preparation during during the summer, and then you know, and then go go from there. Or he wants his players and one hundred percent, which which of course he wants to risk that he can injure players. Um, uh, during the first phase of the season, um, which is something that has happened sometimes. Uh, so it's a, it's a kind of a risky style, but um, it can play out, of course. The second thing is that um, what he does in, in, in training, that that's all that also applies to um, training during the season, is that he has uh, highly sp- uh, specialized exercises just for his uh, counter-pressing pressing as um like uh, specific movements specific um actions his players have to take uh in in regards to counter pressing and pressing so and and that's are highly specialized i mean that only Jurgen club um does these exercises actually and it's it's kind of a secret sometimes what he what only club himself of course oh, yeah only, only not like, even the players no <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> no but it, it's it's actually interesting i mean that's uh, and and uh, it's it's kind of a secret. It's maybe maybe um, saying too much, but uh, it it is kind of um, you know just club exercises, and and no one else in football does that. Uh, the, the, the same kind of uh, so it's it's really um, adjusted and 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 adjusted to what he wants his team to do. So so that's that's a point when um, tactical philosophy. And and uh, conditioning, fitness training goes hand in hand. Um, when when these kind of uh, these two things fit together, and that's of course the best case scenario. Um, and, and and he's not alone. I mean, in that regard, I mean Pep Guardiola does the same, but he does it in regards to uh, possession uh, style or possession heavy style. Um, and other players, you know, as you mentioned, losing forward does something else. And and there there are other players, uh, there are coaches, um, who have who have a certain um vision what they want to uh, let their team play on the field, and then they try to to uh, put things together. But it re- it requires, of course, that the coach has a distinct style, and that he that he or she that he or she decides uh what the style should look like and what is required to do. Um, you know, counter pressing, pressing to do, um, how much, uh, how intense your players have to play, uh, over the course of 90 minutes. So, I mean, if you, uh, so and so coach, you know, who does that, uh, this week and, uh, something else the other week, um, then it isn't really possible to have highly special, specialized, um, exercises as, uh, such as, uh, Klopp, uh, does. So, um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that they come, different things come together in that regard. And, and Klopp is one, uh, who has been criticized for some of his, um, man management and for, uh, you know, um, managing recovery time. And, I mean, there have been stints. Uh, during his career where um, he had a lot of players on the injured list. So, um, yeah, maybe sometimes he takes too many risks. Maybe um, he, you know, he overworks them basically. But um, normally it's it's pretty it's pretty specific and it's pretty uh, highly sophisticated. So, um, and the same goes for our, our coaches, of course, in the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga and, and Italy. Um, and always, with, of course, what they have in mind um, tactically. Um, so yeah. Yeah, but that being said, there are like 
different ap approaches in general. Let's p take Peter Bosch, for example, uh, when we are already talking about Jürgen Klopp, because he is taking a completely different approach, yet he also relies on extreme counter-pressing. And, um, I mean, when he was a Dortmund coach, um, I, I still have the quote, the, the quote written down. Um, he, he was asked about the word torment because, um, <laughs> journalists more or less were a little bit baffled by his approach and, uh, why, um, players didn't quote unquote suffer as much because He has a different approach, and I, I guess I'll just read out the quote because he essentially explained it himself, and he, he said, I don't understand the word torment in training. To me, that means that you treat the players badly, but I want to treat my players well because I want them to get to not get injured and still gradually improve their fitness levels. We play four against four. That is the toughest training unit we have. This is what we did with the players that didn't play in friendly against Espanol. All right. Sorry. It was very specific now, but, uh, he says basically 12 units or 12 exercises for one and a half minutes each. They were all exhausted afterwards. We will do the same 12 units for three minutes at the end of the season. The players also will be exhausted, but without sore muscles. That is very important because I try to build fitness without the players getting injured when I still was a player myself we had nine or ten injured players after training camp because they trained with too much intensity here every player is taking part in every training session so basically the general approach of, of peter bosch is, is trying to build stanima throughout the season gradually rather than uh, basically you know lock yourself into the training camp and and then you know pushing as hard as you can to build the Sanima at the start of the season. I still remember Jürgen Klopp always talking about basically the last week before the season starts as the most important for him because this is when he gave his players time to recover from the training camp and to regain some sort of freshness. And this is also how he always explained those bad results in the, in the friendlies right before the season started. Because they were actually not in the in the period that the players said they would be on the top of their game, but rather trying to recuperate from a very exhausting training camp. Now Peter Bosch, of course, took a different approach, and I guess we can also talk about Carlo Ancelotti in that instance a little bit later. But um, basically, the criticism about Peter Bosch later in in his season at Dortmund was that the players were not entirely fit. Now, um, in hindsight, we know that criticism was a little bit unfair because players uh, you know the way they played just were simply exhausted after 60 minutes and uh, you can see with Peter Stöger for example taking a different uh, stylistic approach that uh, players actually do have stamina left the last 20 minutes of the game but um, in, in general I think that's a very interesting approach that you are trying to build the stamina of your players throughout the season that means at the, at the start of the season You're obviously not going to be at the at the highest of your game, but Dortmund nevertheless won a, a lot of games. Uh, you could say it's down to an e easier schedule, but on the other hand, um, it's also maybe just down to freshness because uh, if you really, really work 
extremely hard throughout the summer camp, you will have some level of exhaustion and the uh, one week of recuperation or one and a half week or 10 days or whatever it is, it, it won't help uh, opposed to a team that uh, does less in, in uh, the summer camp and therefore is, is fresher. But uh, obviously, um, you know, there will be uh, different curves and I guess there will be a drop off within the 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 first or after the first quarter of the season when other teams gain more stamina while you yeah have a little bit of a drop off however I guess if you take the approach by Peter Bosch which I think is a very smart one in, in the sense that you try to really minimize muscle injuries and those occur quite regularly but also later in the uh, campaign I guess when when it's March, April, May, when those really, really important games come along and you have players that, that still have some sort of freshness and, and, uh, you know, only get fitter as, as the season progresses rather than just trying to maintain a certain level of, of fitness. I, I think this can really win you games. However, of course, you need to bring yourself in a position, uh, to even be in important games by then. So, you know, there are different approaches, of course, but I find that a very interesting approach. What do you think about the uh, Raymond Verhalen or slash Peter Bosch approach? Yeah, I mean, uh, interesting is the, interestingly um, enough that um, th there wasn't there was even a discussion about it. I guess I mean um, normally um, these kind of um, issues, maybe potential issues. Uh, aren't even discussed um, uh, by media and uh, fans and uh, as the general public. Um, so what we, we talked about club, I mean, club no, usually um, in summer, in summer uh, preparation, he um, goes four weeks really hard and then one yeah, or two it's weeks. One, one big grind. <laughs> yeah, one big grind and then uh, one or two weeks of recovery time. Uh, Bosch goes two days hard and then one day recovery and then two days hard one day recovery. I mean there's also that there is um the demanding and exhausting training involved of course but he thinks or his approach is that as I said earlier um players when they come out of out of holiday season basically um they are fresh they are you know their 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 uh, conditioning is not up there at 100 but their freshness at 100 um, and he wants to keep that, you know, he wants to keep that level of freshness for a while. Um, and he doesn't want to have all his, all his top players on the injury list, uh, because he thinks that he, for, during the first part of the season, he can basically cruise a little bit on like having your best players available, even if they aren't at 100% as far as conditioning and stamina goes, but they are still, you know, tech, uh, technically and technically, they are still better than most of the other players especially with a team you know like Dortmund he thought it would be uh, kind of smart to have all his players available even if they you know uh, maybe uh, don't go 100% but still i mean they have the technique they have the the, the tactical understanding to um still be the superior side and it worked out for a while uh, but it didn't work out in the long run um which, which, I mean, there were other factors, of course. Um, uh, 
what's what's interesting or it's also interesting um is when we talk about Bosch is that yes he wanted to keep the kind of level of freshness you know while building up more fitness problem was that in a, in a several matches because there was kind of this hype and you know all the players were pumped um be, because they were winning all uh, the the first f- few matches of the season and they were going really hard in in the first 70 minutes or 60 70 minutes of the game um so he didn't really restrain them uh which he should have done properly uh, but he didn't. Uh, it's, it's hard, you know, to to uh, push the break when you're on a winning streak, uh, and when you know there's this. Uh, all players are just, you know, feeling good and and uh, they they're they're feeling like world beaters. Um, but it it probably um, decreased the level of fret, uh, freshness uh, to the to a degree where uh, they couldn't really recover um, or couldn't. Compensed, uh, comp- uh, could achieve compensation by uh, increasing the fitness level as, as fast as the freshness level decreased. Um, so, and yeah, in the end, uh, it, it looked kind of like the team was um, blown up at, at, at certain points during the first part of the season. Um, so it's, it's, it's risky. It's uh, some, somewhat risky. Um, the, the, the oral philosophy behind what what Bosch does is that um, you build up slowly. You don't have uh, many players on, uh, injured, and uh, in the second or let's say in March or so, when uh, often enough when championships are um, when decided, decided, <laughs> yeah, when when you also you have the more um, you know you, you have deeper rounds, Champions League quarterfinals, yeah, into the into the cup. Uh, uh, competitions, uh, Euro- European Cup or uh, you know, Champions League, yeah, um, and even the National Cup. Um, so when when these important matches are on, you you are at one hundred percent overall, and you can you can go uh, while you know other other teams are failing. Um, well, it didn't work out <laughs> actually, and uh, basically something similar happened at Bayern with uh, Carlo Ancelotti, who's, who's a proponent of the Italian school for that, uh, you know, less less conditioning um, tra- or you know, not, not spending too much time and too much effort of, uh, into pure conditioning training and, and uh, just using um, the level of talent you have and um, keeping them all fresh and ready to go uh, not many injuries, which, which, he di- which he did actually, I mean, there were less injuries at Bayern uh, under his guidance, but um, over, I mean, it was still um, that it appeared that Bayern wasn't really at one hundred percent. Also, what what factored in there uh, in in Angelotti's case is that um, several players at Bayern thought or had like the feeling that they didn't do enough in training because his training was more or less a fair and and there were there wasn't really much going on it was a little bit tactical uh, exercises here and a little bit exercising there but wasn't really uh, much um what they did in training and but they weren't they weren't winning all the matches what they are used to do um so players thought that they that you know he uh, Angelotti wasn't the, the the demanding coach he should be um, which is also something because it's a change of habit and it takes time um, if you if you try to change these kind of uh, patterns uh, because most of the of the Bayern players are you know they are used to um, doing this hard 
exercise in summer and then you know going from there and still doing some um, more intense stuff uh, during the weeks um, when the season has has already started but um, yeah well uh, it it did work out in both cases actually and um, but but it, it, it doesn't say that the um, let's say the general philosophy behind what what Bosch and Angelotti wanted to do that that, that, that philosophy is wrong. Um, I don't think so, actually. Well, I, I guess it's it's always about uh, you know when when things are working out. You know, you are obviously doing the right things, but you you are already talking also about the psychology behind that approach. Let's say so. Let's say things are not going your way and you know this is the moment where everyone is starting to you know second guess everything and uh, if players do not feel like they're doing enough in, in training then they will certainly second guess that too and will blame a bad streak on on that as well and uh, i do wonder um you know <laughs> how legal it is from a club's perspective um well, whether they should allow players to have personal trainers and like do additional work and, uh, you know, how much a club should control the fitness and the, the entire program themselves. Because, um, you know, let's say you're Carlo Ancelotti and you have a certain plan and then 10 of your players after training go into the gym and, and do others other things or you know meet up with their fit personal trainers or whatnot and and do a, have a individual training session now that could also just counteract whatever you are trying to do right oh yeah that that's uh something that happens a lot uh when when coaches don't do um that much in training um that then uh, those players um they hire personal coaches and do extra training and i mean the, you can't really uh per, i mean what 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 are you going to do as a club or what, what are you supposed to do as a club i it's it you can't control them 24 uh 7 so well um and but that leads to because there's additional um a training going on and um you know the their the body goes through additional training um that might lead to uh, injuries that uh, that shouldn't happen actually but and uh, they do because uh, players think they they have to do more and uh to um be ready so well um it's kind of tricky yeah yeah let's um maybe talk not about training but about not training because I think especially for teams that play on the European level and have a game twice a week it's really important to pick the times where you actually just recuperate and um, I guess Constantine the signs of recuperation or regeneration or whatever you want to call it is um, still not uh, completely developed I I, th- I still think that uh, you know they are still learning about when to take breaks uh, you know when is the best time for a player to take a break how does the body recover etc so um peter bosch for example um always 
took the day off two days before a game. So if you would play on, on Saturday, you would have off on Thursday and so on and so forth. So um, <laughs> that, of course, didn't sit too well with uh, fans when things weren't really going and they were like, oh, you're not even training. How are you going to improve, etc." Of course, they had their video sessions or whatnot. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting how Bosch, for example, had to really explain himself almost every week um what he is doing that it's you know more about recuperation than anything else and how that maybe hasn't hasn't made its way to the to the general public yet that uh you know it's it's nowadays not so much about training but rather than not training also that this is also just very important and uh yeah it's 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 really interesting to to see where this will develop and uh what solutions coaches and then athlete coaches and whatnot that will come up with um to really uh yeah have players at their fittest on on saturday 3 30 or or whatever and i i also do wonder constantine i don't know how much you know about this but if you have a game let's say on on on, on friday at, at night and then the next game will be a saturday afternoon match on the premier league you could even play at noon um you know how do you change your rhythm in general you know your metabolism maybe also changes so you know most amateur players they are used to playing in the morning but uh, i guess playing in the morning is completely different to playing in the evening and uh, the way you approach a whole day i guess so do you have any any insight on on uh how uh, coaches actually make adjustments to uh, yeah gain rhythm in quotation marks. Yeah, what what they do usually is that they uh, or the, what what some staff do is that they look up um, the tracking data and uh, look how how much the the players in particular have uh how how much uh, how much uh, distance they have covered um how many sprints they have done and stuff stuff like that and then they they adjust um training and intensity and and how much they how much a player can do uh, in in training individually um that's that's something a lot of teams have decided have decided to do and yeah, obviously days, but that's not specifically done to kickoff times no, no, no. It's not not down to kickoff times, but there's there's really not much um, coaches do actually in that regard. Um, um, it's there. There is some kind of micromanagement going on, but not uh, to that degree actually. Uh, in in most teams, I mean, some some do that. Uh, Thomas Tuchel's one, um, but ours not so much actually. Um, <sighs> It, it comes down a little bit. Um, uh, clubs de- demand that their players take it seriously, and they, you know, they, they at least uh, they use common sense when it comes uh, to, um, you know, recover personal uh, private recovery, when you want to call it. But as we just mentioned, I mean, there are also uh, players who hire uh, private coaches to do uh, extra exercises. So, I mean, um, maybe there's too much trust and too much faith. Um, and sometimes, um, yeah, some go to the drip doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, no, that's, that's actually quite interesting and, um, is something that, you know, isn't around for too many years. 
And uh, obviously, I, I assume that uh, coaches are still learning to to deal with it. But um, you talked about the GPS tracking and, uh, you know, these uh, sports bras, if you want, you know, that measure the pulse of the players. And um, I guess there has been an ev evolution of data uh, over the last couple of seasons, four years. And in, in, uh, how much data you gain, I, I guess, uh, you know, players have their blood tested every now and then, like on, sometimes on a daily basis, right? Just to, you know, measure certain, certain, uh, blood values. <laughs> I don't think that's the correct term. <laughs> um, but, um, the thing is when you gather data for it to learn from data, you have to gather a lot. And I'm pretty sure that they haven't gathered data to the point that they already know everything and have already learned everything from it. So especially not in the long term. So I really do wonder where this uh, will take us next and uh, what kind of methods come around from that. But uh, one, one question um, I, I sometimes ask myself, you know, with the GPS, uh, GPS tracking and the heart rate tracking and whatnot. Um, how do you actually determine when a player is not fit and, and when he's fit? Like, how do you measure that? Like, what are the, uh, let's say telling points that, uh, players maybe not as fit because you could also just, just say, Oh, well, maybe he's not as committed. So where, where do you, basically make a difference between a player maybe not 100% being committed in training versus you can actually see that he's not 100% fit. Uh, that's uh, that's more or less a philosophical question. I mean, uh, on, on the scientific level, what, what uh, many coaches and staff do is that they um, analyze the um, athletic baseline of any of every player uh, on, the, on the roster. Um, and that they can basically figure out, uh, according to, to tracking data and everything else, um, when someone has to take a break, um, or when someone maybe is not fit. But, but, uh, what's, what's interesting is that when, let's say, pl uh, when player, um, always mistimes, um, his, his attacks, you know, his tackles or something, or when he has to advance and, and, uh, get involved in pressing situations. Uh, there, there, there can be different, um, reasons for that. I mean, maybe he's not fast enough. Maybe he can't accelerate, um, as he, as, as well as he should. Uh, maybe it's, has something to do with tactical understanding or, you know, that he doesn't really realize when he has to, uh, leave his position. Um, or maybe there's something else going on. That's, but there's no, not, not like an, an manual and you can just follow, um, the, the, basically the instructions. Um, that's something you have to figure out. Um, and that's, and then it comes really down to what the head coach can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's more or less a philosophical question and also comes down to psychology. And that's, uh, and then, then it, it becomes more and more tricky, I think, because when, because what, 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 especially what the athletic coaches try to do is really, um, work with hot data nowadays. Um, more or less with hot data, with hot data, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the, the thing is, uh, where it really gets interesting at some point is, uh, you know, we all talk about, 
sport usually is or not usually but but more often than not is decided in the in the head it's uh, it's just as much as a mind game or a mental game as it is a physical one now of course players can feel this, the physical strain but they can also feel the mental strain so constantine what do clubs or coaches do to um, basically refresh the minds of their players and uh, help them yeah be focused but also at ease at some point like do you have have you heard of any more recent methods to uh yeah help players i mean this is also a very high, highly individual thing but to to really help players to uh, be focused on on certain times and be, because you just said you know a mental lapse in the game can be just as costly as uh, you're not being able to run the last five meters or so of a sprint Sure, but that's uh, that's more or less an, an individual question, and and there's not like um, a general method or something. I mean, a lot of people hire a lot of teams hire psychologists and uh, try that they work with players. I mean, if they have private issues, if they have um, what whatever what what whatever it might be, but um, um, there's it really that that comes down to um individual basically individual uh, to uh, chats and and uh, issues that might occur but um there's no there's nothing really in, in right now where um head coach so and so should uh, do do that uh, this and that and then um that's that's not really what what uh, is right now um going on. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> so, right. so, sorry, I mean there, there is nothing. I mean, so, so, some some coaches do, don't even really pay attention to. Um, some do. Some um, maybe, uh, as I said, hire psychologists. Uh, some do it themselves. Maybe some have even psychology background. Um, some just are talented in that regard. Uh, like your club is an, an, an example. But um, yeah, overall, I mean. Um, there is surely there is something going on um that that a lot of people um in, in football basically um assume that uh players are good to go at at all times which is of course not the case all right fair enough then i guess we can talk a little bit about um what i like to call muscle memory and uh i i i guess that's that's uh, not 100% on on the target on uh, what we will discuss now but it's a uh, neuroathletic slash uh, brain science and uh, you actually wrote a piece on that for the setpieces.com uh, it's a very interesting interesting read and uh, there's a German company called uh, Focus on Performance and uh, the I guess doctors or, or the uh, people that uh, work for that they um, basically um yeah make the case for i i guess the the way you move and and to me that's more or less muscle memory to basically prevent injuries to adjust maybe the angles of of uh, how you pull up your leg when you run stuff like that do you want to maybe elaborate on that because since you wrote the article i think you are the better person to talk about that than i do yeah i mean Absolutely. Uh, um, so neuroathletics, it, it is called, uh, which basically means that you use specific um, neurological exercises, or that you uh, first do a you know, neurological analysis of what uh, player 
um, is capable of um, because there are um, when, when there are certain patterns, um, negative patterns, you know, negative movement patterns, for instance, it often comes down to um, basically software is is uh, programmed the wrong way um, to to put it um, a little bit more uh, or to put it simply. Um, so what what they do is uh, first, or neuroathletic coaches, what they do is is first um, basically analyzing um, what 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 is maybe going going wrong with the specific player they treat, um, and then of course doing doing exercises to uh, treat what 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 is what is basically wrong. So and and that that is something. I mean, in, in the future, I think that will. Basically, that should happen during summer, maybe even before summer preparation. So they can maybe they also figure out um, the order they make. Um, what's called? Um, I just I just forget the uh, basically a, a neurological scan, but it's something else, you know. But uh, basically, to to um, um, figure out uh, where the player is and, and what, what's his status um, and what. what how is his movement? How uh, agile is the player? Um, what maybe what tendencies does he have? Um, which is also kind of telling often enough. I mean, there are certain you know little little kind of uh, movement patterns that can tell that maybe an injury is on the horizon uh, because he's compensating something. Um, which also happens in your brain, you know. It happens. Uh, you you usually do do even and uh, you you don't even really recognize it. You don't even notice that you are compensating something. But of course, a neuroathletic coach can um, figure out what what might be wrong, or that 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 at least there's something wrong, and then um, you go from there. So I mean, the, the future will be that there uh, there are not like your typical athletic coaches, I guess. Or, uh, there will be also um, movement specialists, you know, who can just analyze movement, who can uh, analyze neurological um, aspects, and and um, then uh, you know work on on these kind of things uh, because um, that's when you train muscles. Um, muscles are, let's say, the the overlying um um, or basically surface um above your skeleton, and and uh you know for, from the brain you you control everything that's going on. Um, so I mean, just you know, hiding something that's that's wrong by by training your muscles, something a lot of players have done. You know, when they have coronary injuries, for instance, they try to train more and build up more muscle mass in in these yeah, kind this of is areas. How, how, how Mario gets uh, turned into a square, basically, yeah, yeah. After <laughs> into having, Shakiri, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, he had, he had current uh, issues and issues like in his in his midsection, basically, um, and so he, he trained a lot, and he yeah he uh, turned into uh, something like a, like a mild version of a bodybuilder. Um, so and yeah, uh, but but that that's not what you what you should do. I mean, just you know, having more uh, layers of muscle. I mean, it maybe looks good, but um, it doesn't really. Um, you know, uh, take the the issue serious, or uh, you know, t- uh, take the issue by by the root. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically um, that's why movement specialists and and movement analysis uh, analytics and um, will will go hand in hand with um, managing 
um, intensity and, and recovery time and, and as far as training goes. So, yeah, and all, all and when, when those things come together, I think that will be the, uh, the, what we will see in the next five or 10 years. Um, so, but, but neuroathletics is still, you know, still, still something that's, uh, not used across all uh, clubs and leagues. Um, but the guys I interviewed, uh, they work with, um, players like, or they have worked with players like Götze and, and, uh, Mokuaris and others, uh, who, who who at least use them as their uh, private coaches, basically doing some uh, private exercises during, uh, you know, during summer break, for instance. Um, Serge Knappoui has uh, used them. Uh, Sandro Wagner, uh, who's just moved to Bayern Munich, um, and and also like Lars Lienhardt, who's one of the new athletic coaches. He he was uh, with the German national team when they won the World Cup in Brazil four years ago, um, and and treated players like uh, Jerome Boateng. Had issues, um, and you know, Jerome Boateng, great example, basically for a player who, who when he when he had his, his uh, severe injuries, uh, muscle injuries, he, you, you could basically see that something was wrong with him because his his movement was really telling that he was com- compensating something. Um, I mean, sure, from the outside, you know, just just watching the player, I mean, you you don't know what specifically is wrong, but you you. You saw, especially when you when you're kind of an expert, you saw that something was wrong, and uh, that same with Holger Bachu when he came back from his ACL injuries, um, you could basically see that he wasn't really moving the right way, and uh, that there, there was something not right with his uh, with his with the kind of with his style of running. You know, he wasn't really running um, the right way, and and then he, he got an uh, I think a, a thigh injury basically soon thereafter um so yeah that's that's something and and uh, these neurological exercises they do um of course it's it's kind of specific and uh also it doesn't only apply to football it's basically across all disciplines you can you can do um of course specialized for the certain discipline but i know i know the people in germany who do uh, who are neuroathletic coaches they also treat uh craig oschleonsauer ski jumper and and uh, these kind of athletes as well yeah what i find really interesting is um how that basically combines uh you know not only in in let's say preventing injuries and uh, but but actually improving how a player runs um i uh think it was on eurosport once uh where they um compared Houston ball to another sprinter in in uh like a hundred meter sprint, and you could see that they they basically measured it, and and they they uh, you know put arrows and, and graphics on it, and uh, basically it was all about the angles of of how Hussein Bolt is is uh, using you know to to what height is he raising his knees, and and you know and what sort of angles is he using you know his 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 feet what not just to have the perfect uh you know to to really to perfectly put the power you have in your muscles on the ground and and then you know gone from there and i i think this is something that a lot of footballers have to work on as well because i don't think it really takes a scientist if you watch a game of football that you will see a lot of different running styles uh, of 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 players and and some styles they just don't see like they're you know doing it the right way and it just to me it always looks a little bit odd 
with a couple of players where I think to myself, well, maybe if there's a coach that could fix the way they run, uh, they could maybe Im improve a little bit in that this aspect that uh, can not only prevent injuries, but, but actually make them a quicker player or, uh, you know, a player with a better balance or whatnot. I think this is another aspect that, uh, you know, if we talk about really the details that, uh, yeah, should be worked on, but, you know, then uh, we we are back at the point of time constraints. Do professional athletes who really have to think about ball technique and, and uh, stuff like that, do they still even have time to, uh, you know, think about the uh, angles of in what positions they have their knees and whatnot when they run? Mm hmm anyway um i guess we can knock it more or less on the head constantine where do you think uh those next general uh, the next generation methods uh, will will take us next i mean we we are yet to talk about nutrition but i think that's uh, going to be a whole nother show oh yeah I, I, th i think uh doping and and uh, nutrition should be something uh we should do in a i think in a separate episode actually yeah definitely um yeah with almost being one and a half hours and i think we can end Absolutely. it here constantine thank you once again i thought it was very interesting and uh yeah covered a little bit the different aspects of the beautiful game um speaking of beautiful game where can uh, people find you on twitter <laughs> uh at cc underscore eckner As, Thank you. As for the last uh, five or so years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find me at Stefan Botsko. That's my Twitter handle. And uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with the site or, or find the podcast, you can go to foosballnation.com. And uh, yeah, you can find our contacts there as well and subscribe, of course, to our podcast via SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, did you put it up? Anywhere else? No, it's only on SoundCloud and iTunes, but I think we have covered uh, some of the bases uh, or the bases that are that should be covered. And also, <laughs> I want to remind our listeners, I mentioned in the last episode, which was a solo uh, show um, I did, um, that we still have the Amazon wishlist, um, tinyurl.com slash foosballnation. Um, it's not like we don't expect that anyone is like, buying books for us but uh, i put uh, some books up there and if people want to uh, want us to review one of these books or another book and uh, they should just tell us and and we could do that i mean it would be something um on a let's say a side gig here uh, on our show all right cool uh and with that until the next time goodbye mm -hmm.